Praise the Lord. All right, if you'd stand this morning with your Bibles in your hand. One more time. Everybody ready and proclaiming it together. This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. I will walk in it. I will walk in it. I'll abide by it. I'll abide by it. I'll adhere to it. I'll adhere to it. And I'll stand upon it. I'll stand upon it. It is my strength. For it is my strength. It is my power. It is my power. And it is my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. saved, or maybe you've slipped your way from Him. Guess what? <laughs> you can find Him this morning. Amen. You can receive Amen. Him this morning. He can cleanse you this morning. Glory. Wash your life yeah. of all sins. Amen. Yeah. And give you a life that's what? Glorious, wonderful, and great. So praise His name. Young person to the eldest and all in between. There's no limits on age. You can receive Jesus. Listen to me this morning. I feel this this morning. This world is saturated with problems and issues and sometimes torment. I'm going to tell you what, there's great peace to be found in Jesus Christ. You can live in the midst of it all when you've got the Lord. Praise God and thank you for that. Jesus, open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John. Jesus did a lot of things when he walked this earth. At his hand, at his word, at his presence, people were fed. They were healed. They were delivered. They weren't repossessed. They were unpossessed of evil spirits. The power of Jesus, the glory of His works and His miracles and just His presence. And you know, we... Sometimes I think in our human minds and our own idealism is because we can't see the Jesus of the Bible as those in the day when he walked this earth saw him in the physical. It kind of has a way of kind of dampening things a little bit. But oh man, we need to be we need to be praising, we need to be rejoicing, we need to be thanking God because the power and the works of Christ continue. It didn't stop when He ascended, folks. It got better, amen. Amen. We are recipients of the miraculous glory of Jesus. We're receiving of everything He declared as He walked this earth and more. Praise His name. In the Gospel of John, we see an account here in the second chapter 
this is known as the first miracle that Jesus ever performed when he was on this earth. He had walked. He had gathered up about, I believe, five disciples at this point. Not all twelve, about five of them. And they began to follow him and walk with him and experience him and listen to his teaching, fully accepting who he told them that he was. They declared that is indeed who he was, the Son of God. They placed their faith and their belief in this Lord that they walked with. They called him Master. They called him Teacher. They had found a new life. Have you found a new life? How new is it? Praise the Lord. Is it new enough to rejoice about constantly and continually? Amen. Here they are. Here they are. In the beginning verse of chapter number 2, Gospel of John. The word says, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. Third day signifying that it was the third day since he had entered into Galilee with his disciples. There is another day if we were to project forward on down the road here just before the crucifixion. Jesus began to tell the disciples and tried to explain to them what was going to happen to him at the end of his way on this earth. And then after he had experienced the cross, after he had shed his blood, after he had given his life, and he lay in the tomb for three days, on that wonderful morning he arose and Mary met him there at the tomb, not recognizing, finally recognizing who he was. He told her something. He said, go to my disciples and tell them I will meet them in Galilee. I want you to remember that. There's symbolism all through the Word of God. I've said many times before, Jesus never spoke in anything but spiritual context. He didn't just talk about something because it was there as an object. When Jesus spoke, it had great significance. It was prophetic many times. He was spoke, spoke a prophecy that had already been spoken many times. He spoke into people's lives. That made a tremendous life-changing soul... <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, sometimes I can't come up with descriptive terms. The third day, he and the disciples showed up at a little place in Galilee by the name of Cana. And the word say it was a marriage. He'd come to a marriage, come to a wedding. He'd come to a place in this instance where two people, a man and a woman, were uniting. There's a lot I've heard lately in my listenings and my observations by other ministers and preachings and teachings. There's a lot being said amazingly about right now about this marriage thing. Not so much in the aspect of a physical uniting of two individuals, but a big wedding that's getting ready to take place. Woo! Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? The uniting of the church with Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. There's symbolism in what we're about to see here this morning. A lot of it. I'm going to try to bring some of it out. 
So here they are. They're situated in this place called Cana of Galilee. And it says, and the mother of Jesus was there. We know who the mother of Jesus was, Mary. She was there. Word displays that to us. Jesus and his disciples having arrived, evidently his mother is already there. Something about mothers, isn't it? And both Jesus was called, meaning invited, and his disciples to the marriage. I want you to let this soak as we go. Now, think about this. Specifying as I already have the word call, meaning invited. Who better could you invite to your marriage than Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. Can you imagine who the honored guest might be about right now? As he should be in us. Now, there is in all actuality and actually, when we hear the word wedding, it is two people. Two individuals. And I'm going to repeat, when we receive Jesus, when we accept Jesus into our heart and into our life, we become betrothed to Him. We are His, right? Amen. And we're going to marry up one of these days. Amen. Are you looking forward to that? Amen. We know not what yet it shall be, but I can guarantee you it's going to be better than good. It's going to be great. We're going to get some scenery here in a minute, a little bit of what's going on with Jesus and the disciples and Jesus' mother and these others who have assembled, which most apparently any wedding in this day and time, we were kind of on this subject a while back in a whole other section of Scripture, but we were talking about the festivities that were involved and all the things that went on in the Jewish weddings. It was a festival, actually. It was a celebration. Isn't it comforting to know that we're going to get to go to a celebration of celebrations one of these days? Well, here we kind of find that in an earthly sense. And it is a joy, and the Bible doesn't even declare who is it. Who, who's getting married here? Sometimes we want to know more about what the Bible says. Sometimes we don't need to know. Because if we had more information, we might focus too much on that instead of what we need to be focusing yeah. on. Amen. So Amen. is the case today. It doesn't tell us who. It just says there was a marriage. And Jesus and his disciples, they came with him. So, again, here's some symbolism. You know, most most weddings, even in our culture today, you get invitations and they've got a name on them, right? Amen. You, specifically, names on this invitation are cited. It's okay. So was the case here. There were some invited, but his disciples, probably strangers to these that were wedding in this marriage entourage that accompanied them probably considered they didn't know them. Do you know that's how the Lord is? He'll invite anybody. Amen. All can come to Christ, right? Amen. All can experience Jesus. Amen. There's nobody left out. Open to all. Come on in. We're having a wedding. It's going to show up. You want to come? Come. Isn't that a wonderful invitation? Amen. Of itself. 
God accepts anybody and everybody if they will come through the right door. Yeah. Doesn't look like a door, does it? No. Nope. Looks like a harsh old instrument, but it's a door. Matter of fact, Jesus said he is the door. Amen. He's the door of the sheepfold. And you can't if you don't come through him, you're not gonna get in. Right. So now Jesus is here. Now at this point, scripturally, he's here in an observatory sense. He hasn't really come to do anything to speak of at this point. He simply come because and, and some theologians and scholars believe that this was some family member of Jesus because his mother was there. That's not saying that it was, but there's kind of some evidence here that possibly that's the case. But he's here. Here's his disciples with him. And all of a sudden, in verse 3, we see, and when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said to them, to him, they have no wine. What that actually means is when they ran out of wine. It doesn't mean that they didn't have any to start with and they wanted it. It means that they ran out. You ever ran out of anything? You ever ran out of the thing you needed more than you needed anything else? Amen. You ever felt like you ran out of mercy? You ever feel like grace might have run dry? I said feel like. I'm not saying it did. I think all of us will admit it. At some point in time, we felt like we ran out of something. What was the symbolism of wine in an early Jewish marriage? What was the necessity of it? Actually, it was the mainstay. It was the mainstay. It was the prime commodity. This is what was presented to the guests. This is what the bride and the groom exchanged and took up. Kind of a binding element or a celebration of celebration of why we're here. But now all of a sudden they were out. They didn't have any. And we might say, oh well, big deal. Go get something else. Well, you got to understand the spiritual intensity of what's taking place. It's not just because they ran out of a physical element at a celebration on that day. The emphasis here is where it needs to be. The emphasis is on who showed up. Amen. Not necessarily the fact of what they were short of or now out of. Because everything they needed had just walked in. Amen. Amen. I like that. Thank you, Lord. Just walked in. Observed it. Taking note. Probably conversing with folks, talking to them. As I said, this is a, a celebration. It's not like in our day you come in for 30 minutes, everybody sits down and claps and leaves and throws some rice. This is a celebration. This is a festivity. Most of them lasted days. But here at this point, probably the most significant point, the most important part of this, when things were really getting ready to happen, now they're out of the main thing. Put yourself there. Kind of, sort of. 
remember you gotta you gotta ask the Holy Spirit anytime it's dealing with scripture brother Tanner said it this morning at least related to it you've got to let the Holy Spirit do some guiding with you let him open ask him to open up to you what is being said here and see the symbolism of the scriptures Jesus showed up at my wedding <laughs> so when they were out of wine the mother of Jesus saith unto him they have no wine can you see her now mama knows she'd been told by angel a long time ago who her son is and I can see now this requires and there, there's a lot of debate there's a lot of theory on what is happening here with mama but I can see her looking at Jesus says they're out of wine what are you going to do about it <laughs> of course Jesus honors his mother I mean even though he's God's son she was the one who conceived him of the Holy Spirit and gave him birth and he honors his mother and we're getting ready to see something here that doesn't really look like that Jesus never showed up any word that he wasn't meant to show up. Don't ever forget Amen. that. At the time, he was supposed to show up. Now, the terminology here may be a little disturbing because it looks like he's getting on to mama. And she's already turned to him and said, now here's a big issue. Here's, here's a big problem. They don't have any wine. And I don't know if she was looking at him up into his eyes or it doesn't say, but we can kind of visualize a little. This is a somewhat of a request from his mother. There's a need here and I know you can help. And she may have simply been asking, who knows, she could have been asking, just try to create some kind of a, a, a somewhat of an excuse to kind of explain away and not embarrass these people that they're out of wine in the middle of their wedding. I don't know, but Jesus immediately Matter of fact, verse 4 says, Jesus said to her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. What's that got to do with me? He said. And what are you asking of me? Why are you asking of me? Now, there's several ways to look at this, and one of them is this. We've always got to keep in mind and understand God rebukes who he loves. Okay? Even mama. What am I saying? In order for things to be as they're supposed to be, sometimes there has to be some a little bit of uh, admonishment from God. Now who is Jesus? He's walking the earth as, a, as in the flesh, but he's also still the son of God, right? Amen. But still strangely and supernaturally, we're getting ready to see something take place here. God, God uses any situation. Maybe she was eager. Maybe, maybe she wanted a display knowing who Jesus was. Maybe she wanted everybody to see who her son was. I don't know. I'm not saying that was the case. But there's a lot of things that could have been in operation right here and, and and we can't really ascribe any particular one of them to the state Mary was in she simply said 
they need some wine in order to continue this celebration. This, this is the point where things are really getting ready to get good and now all of a sudden they don't have what they need and you need to do something about it. Son, <laughs> I like this. Jesus still honoring his mother. In verse 5, now, notice here, Jesus had just told her, his hour hadn't come, and what has this got to do with me, and why are you asking me this, Buster? Instantly, mother, Mary doesn't create an argument. She didn't say, I, you need to do what I ask you to. She don't argue. How many times have you, when son or daughter comes up, and you, you kind of get a little scourging, or are a little scourging, don't talk to me that way, boy. No. She was respectful and reverent. See, again, there's so much symbolism in this. Look what happens. Immediately after Jesus had addressed her, she says, His mother says unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. I heard that this morning already. I, thought, I started raising my hand and said, don't. Just get ready. Whatever he, whatever Jesus says to you, do it. She didn't argue about the fact that he had just kind of scolded her a little bit. This is probably some of the best advice one can ever receive. Whatever Jesus says, just do it. Amen. Just do it. A lot involved in that. Not as to your own opinion, not as to how you want to do it. Do it. There's more to come. What did he say? What did she mean? Here is a woman in this day telling these servants what to do, which was way out of the ordinary. This simply didn't happen, but there's a supernatural presence that's being generated here because Jesus is getting ready to be revealed. Okay? Verse 6. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins a piece. What in the world does all that mean? Right in the middle of Jesus' converse with his mother and the mother's converse with him and here immediately thereafter we've got a setting of six water pots made out of stone and they contain about how many? Two or three firkins a piece. What in the world's a firkin? It's about nine gallons. So whether it's two or three apiece, I've, I've figured this, it's between about uh, 102 and 160 gallons total in the six water pots, or six stone pots. That's a lot. That's a lot of wine, isn't it? It's not wine yet, though. What is it? Does it say that? Hmm? What's it say? It says six water pots of stone 
Can there be water in them? Is there or is there not? Well, let me give you a little bit of history on the Jews. The Jews, especially the Pharisees and the, the religious authorities and really anybody attributed to the, the Jewish faith, their saying actually was the cleaner you are, the more wealthy you are. So they, in their ceremonies, they placed six vessels out for the washing of their hands in their sense to purify themselves. So here were these six water pots of stone, not clay, not earth, not anything else but stone. That's significant. Why? Because stone pots do not retain the residue or the odor or the taintings of whatever ingredients are put into them. Remember that. Was there water already in them or was there not? Does it make any difference if there already was? Is that anything we should really worry about? It's interesting. It kind of churns the thoughts a little bit. Look at the scripture. Here's these pots. As I said, it's for the order of the purifying that the Jews went all about. Because they thought bodily cleanliness was religious. And I agree in a sense that it can be. But that was their pursuit. Really washing, really scrubbing, really preparing themselves. So there's these pots here. And probably this wedding, there had been multiple people come by and purify themselves within these stone pots or what was probably in them being water, washing of their hands and whatever else, their faces and everything to purify themselves. And probably, most likely, we all know that there are settlements that occur, dirt, impurities, what have you, that winds up in these water pots. Especially after a multiple number of people have used them, right? Yeah. Common sense, right? Symbolism, don't forget this. What are we? The vessels, aren't we? What's in us? Or was in us? Yeah, what are we made out of to start with? Basically dirt. Letting this sink a little bit. I hope you get it. So here they are. Jesus in verse 7 saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. Now, here we go. Fill the water pots with water. Now, was he saying that they were totally empty? Fill them all the way up? Or was he saying, Fill them to the top? Actually, what this means, fill them, it means to the brim with no space left. Mm -hmm. Here's a lesson. If you ask God to fill you up, you better ask Him to fill you to the brim. Don't Amen. leave it short. Don't leave room for yourself. Don't leave room for your impurities. Don't leave room for your airspace, which is dangerous. Airspace is dangerous, by the way. Thinking, ideas, opinions. He said, fill them up. Fill them to the brim. 
And they fill them up to the brim. What did I say? What did Jesus' mother say? Do as he says. Whatever he says to you, do it. I've often wondered. And, and, you know, I may go to extreme wondering, but I've often wondered in reviewing this and reading it many, many times, what would have happened if they hadn't filled them up to the brim? What would happen if they just put a little bit in there and said, good enough? Would it have come out the same? No. Leaves me wondering. Well, I leaves me wondering, hey, what about us? <coughs> if a little bit's good enough, and that's okay. I don't have to go by all the rules. I really don't have to do that Bible stuff, do I? A little bit's okay, I'll throw that in. What? What? Think about that. No, he said fill them up. Fill them up. Fill me up, Lord. Fill this old water pot up. Do you know you're a water pot? You know your body's 78% water? Just a scientific thought thrown in there. Sometimes we think we're made up of a whole lot better stuff than that, don't we? God knows what we're made of. I'm telling you, the symbolism here is huge. Oh. You see what we were before we became what we are? Fill them up. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw out now. Get some of it out. And bear it to the governor of the feast. Governor there actually means master. More symbolism. Draw out. And take it to the master of the feast. Who's the master of our feast? Jesus. Who better be? Do you notice any <clears throat> symbolism of first fruits here? Who got the first? Huh? The master of the feast, right? Jesus orders, right? Now, the master standing here, I realize that. The master, master of all masters, king of kings, and lord of lords is standing there giving these instructions. But he's trying to enforce something many ways within the course of this marriage that's going on and all about this wine business. Take of the first and take it to the master. How many times has that missed? We run and we spend it and we give it, give it all and at the end of it, oh, oh, I forgot somebody. If you forgot him, don't worry about trying to catch up because last don't work. Many people believe that. Many people have got an ideology of that. Last don't work. First. To God first. Of what? All of our increase. Amen. You think what's in these water pots had an increase about right now? Amen. Whatever was in there before, we're getting ready to see something different. Mm -hmm. Take it to the governor. Take it to the master of the feast. And they bury it. How much? 
There's 200 gallons there. How much would they have took him? If what I'm saying is correct, if we're talking first fruits, what are first fruits? Biblically, what are first fruits? Are we afraid to say it? Tithe. 10%. 15 or 20 gallons went to guess who? The master. The master. They said they buried. They did explicitly as Jesus was instructing them. They filled them up exactly as he said. To the point where exactly as he said. Know and understand now what I said a moment ago. Jesus never shows up late. He shows up on time. He has a purpose and his hour is exactly when it's supposed to be. The place he's supposed to arrive is exactly where it's supposed to be. And I like to think right here in this situation we're in this morning, exactly where you are. Amen. Jesus, the Holy Spirit shows up. And here we are. I believe he's always wanting to fill us up to the brim. First thing I believe is always if there's an unclean vessel, if there's someone that's contaminated by sin, evil, whatever, in the midst, they have a wonderful opportunity to become something different than they were before. Amen. A pot full of impurities that's full of contaminants and everything else, which we all were, right? Amen. He's weak, amen, but I'll take it. We all were. Yeah. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, where did the water turn into wine? We have no indication here until it's tasted, do we? What point did it turn into wine? And what's the significance here that it turned into wine? Many times you find representation of wine throughout God's Word. Mm -hmm. one thing's the Lord's Supper which symbolizes what what does the wine or the juice what's it symbol? the blood of Christ right Amen. I asked you a while ago what was in the pot how much was in the pot how much water was in the pot if it was a little bit if it was quite a bit if it was merely topped off it was, if it was completely filled let me tell you something however impure however polluted however nasty Maybe pure dregs that you got to sift out with your hands and it's oozy and gooey. One drop yeah. of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Uh -huh. Amen. And purified Amen. in an instant. Hallelujah. Somebody Amen. got a church with me this morning. Praise God. One drop. One drop. One drop. One drop. Can deliver you. Yeah. Has. Amen. I said have. You delivered, brother. Amen. You delivered by what Jesus did on by the blood shed on the cross. Amen. The water was changed. Well, Jesus hadn't shed his blood yet. Here's one of those questions. No, he hadn't. But he was still Jesus. Amen. So he said, when he tasted of the water that had been turned to wine. And knew not whence it was. He had no idea. Thought he was thinking, first, I believe he's thinking, man, this stuff is good. 
There's evidence of that. I mean, this guy's kind of the, I guess you would say he's kind of the be called governor, be called master, the, the chief guest, the one who kind of arranges things and makes sure things are proper and in order and furnished in adequate supply. It's kind of on him about right now because guess what? The wedding run out of wine to start with. So Jesus said, take it to the one that knows that they're out, not just out, but completely out. And they did, and this is what he says. In parentheses, in my King James in verse 9 says, but the servants which drew the water knew... <laughs> They knew who had told them to do what? They knew that he had told them to bear it to the governor or the master of the feast. And I think they knew, I'm going to tell you, it's just like right here many times. When we see somebody receive a miraculous touch of God, we know it, don't we? Amen. We know something supernatural has happened, don't we? I think they knew something supernatural because yeah. they looking into basins when they were pouring it in, they had to be viewing what was in there. Yeah. And they saw something miraculous happen. At some point during this, they seen a change. Amen. It wasn't a week-long change. It wasn't a month-long. It wasn't a few years. It was instant. Yeah. Amen. 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 Change. How was your change? Instant? Instantly. Better than before? Amen. Yes. Woo! I was nasty, filthy water. That's what I was. And so were you if you didn't know it. But when Jesus Christ entered the scene, and spoke or presented or delivered however he did into you what he did yeah. that nastiness disappeared Amen. not only did it disappear it transformed transformed into something totally different you know much about wine making that's probably a good thing <laughs> but let me bring you a little bit, and I studied this just a little bit because I wanted to know. It is an absolute art. It has to be done just right to get the best. And there's a lot of things involved more than just taste. Acidity and levels of this and levels of that and, you know, the master, and I forgot what they call these dudes that go around tasting it all the time. They probably don't need to be driving down the highway because anyway, they, they, that's, their, that's kind of someone's profession. That's what they do. And, and they, they rank it. And they understand the concept of all that goes into it. And there's a lot of additives that can be added to try to bring about the, the luster, even the fervency, even the, the, uh, the, the uh, appearance of it. You've probably seen them, you know, they hold it up in the light and, you know, all this stuff. But there's something amazing about the ability of man to create a perfect wine. He can't do it. Maybe close to, but not total. 
Let's read. We read the entirety of verse 9 because I want to get it all together. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, where it came from, or anything about it, basically is what that means. But the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom. Something amazing has happened here. If I can insert a little bit of terms and possible conversation that might have went on between the two. He wants to know why. Because he's now tasting of something I believe that could be said, I ain't never tasted before. Amen. I have never tasted wine this good. I want to know where you got it at. Yep. <laughs> Call the bridegroom. And verse 10 says, And when he said to him, or saith unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine. At the very onslaught, or the very beginning of the wedding, they set good wine out. For obvious reasons. You give the best first, and when the others got to come out, he kind of says it here in the scripture, when the others got to come out, it's not as good, but it's kind of a filler material. Well, if they've tasted of the good first, then they're not going to notice it so much when they have to drink of lesser quality. But oh my. You saved the best for last. See, up to this point, and there's, I've been mentioning symbolism all along here. Symbolically, in Jesus along with the apostles, disciples, fought the same battle. So much was used as an instrument of defiance by the religious authorities of the day because they strictly went by the law of Moses. And I know my shoe's untied, but I'm not going to follow them. That's okay. Whatever the reason, that's fine. But they went by the, by the law. That Their stress was the law, and the law was basically of Moses, which Moses was one who ordered curse by blood read the bible it's there be it sacrifice or be it whatever jesus shed blood to destroy the curse amen hallelujah to destroy the curse he shed here is the again symbolic evidence and a powerful portion of scripture here that shows us so much and i know so much that i can't get it all out here today but take into consideration and consider this here long ago, ancient years back, 2,000 years ago in this little town in Galilee, this wedding was taking place. And yes, there were elements here. There were, there were water pots. There were uh, wedding attendants. Here was Jesus. Here was his disciples. But consider this and just boil it right down into your own life and consider that you are one that is or was unpure contaminated your life was polluted and you had no ability within yourself to do anything about it uh -huh. 
you would have just remained a contaminated pot of water, so to speak, had it not been for the right one showing up. At the right time, on that day, in that hour, in that minute. And because he did, fill up the water pot. Pour in my grace. Pour in my mercy. Pour in my love. Pour in my compassion. Things are going to change. Amen. That life is not going to be the same as it was before. As the water turned to wine, so does God have the marvelous ability to take a life and transform it into other than what it was before and something better. Amen. See this governor, he said, you've took the best and saved it for last. There's thoughts to be holding that alone. Let me say it this way. There's one that I kind of skirted around that I want to bring to surface now. One symbolism. Sometimes we have to run completely out of all hope. Sometimes we've got to be absolutely empty of ourselves to the dire straits of a situation even and realize that we're all out that's that's a great point I've got to realize I'm empty or at least I don't have what I need the pots might have had some water but they're still empty of what the need was I don't care if they were almost full they're still empty okay mm -hmm. we can be full of whatever our own thoughts, our own opinions, our own ideas, our own conception of what cross is all about. But when we do what he says, many times over, not just this instance, when we do what he says, when we do what we know we are supposed to do, when we follow the instructions verbatim and explicitly. I don't think there's any other way around this one, folks. If they altered it a little bit, I just don't think we'd have the same results. I don't know. That's not even considered in the Word. It's not considered because they follow the directions. It's like on the box. I can put my life together. I don't need the instructions. <laughs> you know, like the toy or whatever it is that you think you can, then all of a sudden it looks like something a whole lot different than what you picture on that box. Yeah. It's the way we are. we got to let the right one do the work. Yeah. Would you stand?
is a lesson in the middle of this, another one, and it has to do with this. When Jesus' mother looked at him and basically said, what are you going to do, or you can do something about this, or I ask you to do something about it, inform, that's really a prayer. Consider that. But do you see there was a little bit of delay here? Just a little bit of delay before he talked to mama. Then he went about, but there was a little bit of delay. Now sometimes we get aggravated or put out or whatever when something doesn't happen just as quick as we want it to. Don't we? But symbolizing the wine as mercy, I mean, they were out. They had not what they needed. The celebration was in danger of not going on. The wedding may be being canceled. I don't know. Lord God, don't let our wedding be canceled. Amen. Amen. But see, the emphasis of that, when what is necessary is not there in the wedding, If it's empty or then where does that leave the wedding? Is it there in you? Is what is necessary there in you this morning? Is the richness of the words of Christ living in you? Is the joy that he is living in you? Is the preservation of your soul that he is living in you this morning? What's in your water pot? Anyway, the delay. Never mistake. Never mistake mercy being delayed as some thought in your mind that God is not hearing your prayer. Mercy, the mercy of God, has a way of working in the way of God. Now, the need was furnished. We have scripture that the need was furnished. And yes, even though it was an earthly element, we could say, well, it was just wine. This miracle that Jesus performed at this moment was the first miracle he performed that extended into many. Symbolic of itself. He can turn water into wine. Well, what else can he do? Right. In your life. If he can make you something much richer, much tastier, much fervent, much more effervescent. Are you bubbly this morning? Effervescence is bubbly. Christians should be bubbly, fervent, of good color, good quality. Because why? You've had the richness of God poured into you. If you don't this morning, as I've said many times, you can't have before we go out these doors this morning. And that's where I leave this as an invitation. Jesus came to this wedding under invitation. You can come to your wedding under invitation. You can prepare now for a day coming.
Thank God for those. Maybe everybody here has. I, that's my hope and prayer. I hope everybody here has. If you have, just sound off and give God a praise this morning. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Are you ready? Amen. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come this morning and we know, we declare, we proclaim you as the one and only true God. Full of richness, full of mercy, full of grace, and willing God to pour it into our lives, God, and change us and make us so different than we ever were before, God. Such a wonderful presence you give us because you install within us your spirit. God, we're grateful today, Father, that we can even receive God, we're preparing for the wedding. We're readying ourselves. We're in the midst of the call going out. Lord, help us take note of these words today. Help us consider them in our hearts and know that, God, Father, you are able to clean us and purify us and make us whole and make us meet for the Master's use. We praise you today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Prayer this morning before we dismiss this service. You need poured into this morning. I'll let you go here in just a couple of minutes. Order of business first. Anybody? You can always come pray, folks, and feathers dismiss. That's fine. If you want to fill these altars at the dismissal of the services, please know you can. Absolutely. We will uh, do our best not to interrupt your prayer. But anyway, so as you know that, we're going to pray. Would you pray with me this morning? Sean this morning and we bring his request before you. We declare you, God, you're able to do all things. I just pray, God, Father, for the Holy Spirit to do the work, God, that's necessary for this thing that's desired to take place, Lord. I pray, Father God, Lord, that your mighty touch, Lord, your influence upon, Lord, you're dealing with heart, soul, mind, body, and spirit. I pray, God, Lord, that you stir, that you provoke, that you bring to the surface, Lord. And God, Father, Lord, that that you just supply and provide, Lord, the need that is so needed here today, Lord, in this situation. And we lift up this one to you and ask you, God, to just, just move in their life. In Jesus' name, this family as well, we pray be with them and help them. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God.
walk down the road from the south <coughs> into Shannon's. Come and have a good time. God bless you. In Jesus' name, dismiss you. Yeah, Lord.